You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. Join us as we focus the spotlight back on the theater maker to uncover their process. We speak with folks in the industry that often aren't heard from. Such as stage managers, producers, crew members, marketing professionals. And everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, so I am Christine McKenna-Torella. I am a casting director in New York. I'm also the casting specialist at Backstage LLC. Um, I am originally from Northern Ireland. I've been in casting for uh, 10 years almost now. Uh, I've done everything from commercial TV, film, uh, and a little bit, well, a little bit of theater. It's a lot of theater. (laughs) So when did you realize, when was the first time that you realized where casting was going to be part of your journey? Yeah, it's funny. Um, You know, again, being from Northern Ireland, and I suppose it, Northern Ireland, you can apply, put any town on top of Northern Ireland, right? Little little town before you come to New York or before you go to the big city. Um, I wasn't really aware of uh, how kind of diverse the careers could be uh, in in the entertainment business. And so I didn't really know a lot about what casting was, or I did. I obviously had the wrong perception of what casting was. Um and it was when I was in drama school already. So when I, I moved from Northern Ireland to uh, do an acting course, I did I went to American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And um, around that time, like I was just always the person in class who was really great at picking out material for other people, but not necessarily that great for material for myself. So um, so that should have been a clue. Uh, and I, I graduated. I had a few good years out of school or what I described as good years out of school where I... Um, uh, was 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 busy and working as an actor, but I all I began to feel a little bit like, oh, this is a this game. I don't I don't love this game, right? I don't love being um, having the job and then falling back and not being able to uh, feel like it was a linear progression. Uh, and I started really uh, pursuing casting. When you were just talking a little bit about that initial clue that you found where you liked picking material for other people. Madison Sylvester, we had on the podcast, I think she also mentioned that she feels like she's a director sometimes as a casting director. I wanted to ask you if you feel the same way. And if you could describe maybe why casting directing is where you chose to to go towards instead of directing. 
Yeah, great question. So I most certainly believe the best casting directors are good directors. I also think the best casting directors are naturally empathetic. I think um, they have, when you have had the experience of being on the other side of the casting table, you can never forget it, right? And then I also think it's intuition. You know, I think there is a lot of work. I work in tech now and casting tech. I'm really proud of the work I do. I'm re- I love bringing us into something new and pivoting. Um But at the same time, every time I do a workshop demo, whatever, I say, look, guys, we're never going to replace the soft skill of casting because uh, it is that it's that mix of um, empathy, intuition and and uh, and directing that really brings talent from one place to being actually on that stage or, you know, on that set. If we're going to dive right into the process and we start at auditions, how do you prepare for those auditions? Yeah, so it'll really vary depending on what the project is, right? Um, and I, the last few years before moving more into this hybrid position that I have, which is working in casting tech and uh, and kind of pivoting into content a little bit, um, I spent most of my time in non-union theater, Broadway branded non- non-union theater, right? Like the shows that were on Broadway, but had you know, kind of moved their way into the non-union tour. Um, and so it really varied as to the amount of preparation and the creative team and who I was working with uh, to to make sure that the actors were ready to shine and do the best work they could when I had the the director or the creative team in the room for the first time and they were seeing that talent. So it's a, a large part of the process in non-union theater casting is pre-screen. It's so essential. Since you did work in a bunch of different mediums, do you have a particular favorite? The answer truly is every project felt the same amount of satisfaction, right? Of like getting it where it was meant to be and feeling like you'd put the best cast together and like being really proud of bringing it from talking about a breakdown to seeing the actors in the room, to getting them into the callback, making sure they're ready for that next uh, step of their career and, and getting them on to stage set, et cetera. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if I have a favorite medium. I know I did move out of reality casting. I, I dipped my toe into that water. And although I am not too proud to admit that I love some reality television, I, I watch Bravo a little too much. Um, but I, I didn't want to be, I've seen what that casting producing is and that was not for me and it didn't feel like the art that I wanted to do and the way in which I wanted to be part of the creative process um and so that was an easy okay I'm good at this but I don't want (laughs) to I actually think that maybe non-union theater is my favorite medium to work in because it's kind of the underdog lots of people are very talented and can name a cast for Broadway not so many people can see the potential that someone who hasn't even showcased yet has when they come into the open call where they waited at, you know, from 5 a.m. to be seen for, you know, a major project and they are not ready to be seen by the director yet. But like seeing that seed grow into what happens on stage is really, really exciting to me. And I'm really proud of the type of vision, I suppose, is the way of saying it. And I mean that humbly. I don't mean like, oh, visionary. You know, I, I just mean being able to say to yourself, I think this is it. It's the intuition. How are you able to to stay creative within the job? I mean, especially looking at the fact where, you know, when you're out in the audition process, you're probably in auditions for hours on end with breaks and obviously. But how are you able to, like, keep that creative juice flowing from project to project, but also just like throughout the day or the weeks of what you're casting? You know, it's funny. I find, particularly in in the casting room proper, outlets in other places, right? Like um, having a really strong morning routine, for example, and that like for me, being able to get up and work out before I came to work was like this huge victory and also a huge outlet for um for energy and and I know that sounds really odd, but creative process. My I love like you know indoor cycling to uh, you know rhythm rhythm cycling if you will I won't name an, a particular brand I find that to be a, an artistic outlet um again it shows up in your work everywhere because you get to curate this room you get to within the within the confines of what you know your director and and your choreographer and whoever else you're working with wants and needs for the cast but you get to say here this is this is a beautiful like plateau of what it could be you know or a tableau sorry of what it could be so there's lots of creative outlets all throughout the process what I 
would say is that, you know, part of being in casting for 10 years and what of the kind of move I made into being a consultant over at Backstage um, was the ability to work with more people, more actors, um, to have positive influence in that way, um, and also to shape content. You know, like that's that is also a, a new way that I have really enjoyed sharing the knowledge that I have gained over the last nine years plus of being um, in this business. I'm really excited to get to talk to you about your career pivot if do you call it a pivot to going to backstage yeah you know what i i don't know until last year it was so clear to me that it was a pivot but with so many other things that we had to adapt to and innovate to um last year it it became a pivot so yeah i'm really excited to get there i want to talk a little bit about the things that uh, you know those foundations in the process of casting like i'm always interested to ask casting directors what are things that irk them in the audition room lack of preparation it's 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 a it's a age old you know uh, maybe so it sounds like a cliche uh but it 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 shows it shows you you can't you cannot fake preparation and the actors and it, it also is a disservice to you the actor right so like um because someone else will come in and have done all that homework and have had have their sides all written up and beautiful and gorgeous with all the lovely stuff you guys do to really get yourselves in the right place. Someone will have done that. And you've already put yourself 10 steps behind them because you just, you know, didn't have the time or didn't invest the time in your audition preparation. What happens with somebody, let's say that someone comes into your audition room and is not prepared? And then they want to be seen by you again for another project. How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's never a deal breaker the first time it happens, right? I'm going to think maybe it was me. Maybe I brought you in. It was a bit of a risk. You're not right anyway. Like it, there could be other factors in this or you got the I know you got the appointment yesterday or, you know, because your replacement appointment or whatever. There are things that can happen. Um, and I try to be kind and flexible about that because it is, you know, it's an audition. It's not you. You've not booked the job and you're, you're not on set. You're not being paid to do it. Right. And I understand that. And life can get in the way. Um, if it becomes a pattern if it's something, if either you're not turning up on time or there's always something, some drama going on with you before you come into the room or in the room itself, or, you know, you, again, it just, I just know you haven't done the work and you're just kind of wasting everybody's time. Um, it, and it's rare, right? I mean, it's, it's rare, but when it happens, it really annoys me. It, it's, it's my pet peeve. Are you able to then sense like if someone's over prepared or they've like, they've worked the scene or worked material too much and does that like hinder them in any kind of way? So I think that that's a, that's a process thing for actors. So come in with all the work done and then this terrible thing has to happen where you've got to be able to let it go at a moment's notice after you've read it. And and here's what I always tell actors to try to give you some freedom in it. It doesn't mean you've done it wrong. It just means that I am asking you to do it a different way or the director wants to see who you are when they're in a rehearsal setting with you. So like you might have prepared perfectly, but you, you might have to do it differently. And I do see sometimes, Mary, that people have a difficulty turning off the way in which they've worked it right so so it's just being able to say great I worked it this way I don't want to give them the same read again how do I adjust and that is a real skill it is a real skill and it's something I deeply admire about actors I don't know how you guys do it it is a huge pivot very fast um, and, I, and I think it's it's one of those kind of magical things that actors are able to to access I did want to talk because I saw in your bio that you've casted quite a few national tours. And I'm wondering if there's a difference in your process, in the timeline of the work that you do for a national tour as as compared to a Broadway show or even an off-Broadway show or a regional theater where they're, they're plan. I mean, like, I know that national tours are planned in advance. So I'm wondering, like, I guess comparing it to the Broadway company at the time, how, how that like how that works together or does it not work together? Are you seeing people who you saw for Broadway who maybe you didn't cast for Broadway, you're bringing them back in? Could you talk a little bit about that? When you talk about a national tour, there's kind of a rung 
uh, of of kind of the 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 top end of the national tour, and then kind of what's perceived to be the bottom end, and and it's because some things run for a long time, um, and there's many factors in that. So like if you're talking about you know um, something that's right off Broadway, it's probably going to be at a, the top tier of what that performer is going to make when they um, you know would go on tour, and so it's financially worth it. So I might be able to get some of those Broadway caliber actors to come out for the first national tour to be you know to to launch it and and that is in itself kind of something really prestigious when you get into a long running tour and i've you know i've worked on a variety of those both uh, union and non-union other factors come into play you know you've kind of you slide down the CETA scale so you know the the payment gets a little bit less each time um you slide down the amount of um uh, sit downs you do right so like instead of doing that two weeks sit down in Toronto it's it's uh you know two nights here and there for two weeks in Canada and not everyone wants that so you find that the more seasoned actors um who have agents and managers or maybe work on their own you know they they know the, the questions to ask about what that what that tour will entail and so you definitely see a difference in the type of actors that want to come in for you and the projects that you're putting together and so when you're working on a tour you always have you have this tour in mind right so you've got the tour that you're putting up now you want to have a really nice backup of all the talent that um you might want to consider down the line and you're always kind of always looking for talent that you want the team to see and know and be ready to see develop as artists so that you can kind of introduce them into your um, auditions as and when they come up. Are there, For these non-union tours, are the creative teams a part of this process as they were for Broadway? Yeah, and that's, that is one of the things that I tell people when they're considering whether or not non-union is still for them. I'm like, cool, I can look at your resume and see if you've really worked with the type of directors that are available at this level and the type of directors that are available at this level are, are the creative teams that work on Broadway. And it might be the associate director versus the director. Cause you might only see that director, the actual named director one time, right. He might come see, or she might come and see the show one time, but, um, but you are now on the radar of Broadway caliber creative teams. And, um, and that's why I, say truly like if if the tour is right for you if you are a type of person that wants to go on tour non-union tours there's a perception i think about it being a, a challenge and certainly i've worked on the challenging ones too guys i understand and it's not for everybody but it is the, it is the creative teams from broadway for the waitress non-union tour now a year and a half ago because you know last year is now a year that we've lost the, the the last year i can tell you that sarah burrell has watched all of the callback material because she is still very attached to the project so not only did all of the um the creative team that are actively involved in the show in the day-to-day -day of the show but you know sarah also watched the material that's amazing. <laughs> Tr truly. And I mean, is that everybody? No, but is that, is that just, does that give you a taste? Yes. You know? And it also is like, it's a good reminder for anyone going into auditions to still take it seriously and to not just blow it off because you have these preconceived perceptions of like what it could be or what it, you know, should be in their eyes. So I like that. I really, that's good. Christine, I met you obviously with, our partnership with Backstage and Devonport Theatrical Work. Um, and I learned a little bit about what you do with specialists. And then I have also noticed as, you know, what you just dubbed as the la the lost year, I'm sure things have like um, manipulated a little bit and have like shifted slightly as I'm sure it's happened with anyone in the industry who's still, you know, uh, lucky to have kept their job through all of this. So I'm curious, I was going to ask you what your day-to-day -day is like at Backstage but I feel like there's probably a few answers to that with a few different scenarios like pre-COVID, during COVID, and maybe like today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pre-COVID, um, so I joined the team in 2019 uh, and was just getting settled in kind of, I suppose, before last year happened. Uh, and 
in the casting specialist team, we work with um, new creators and the casting community, both traditional and non-traditional, um, to try to help people understand what backstage really is now, right? I think there is a perception. Um, I know when I was an actor, I read the newspaper of backstage, right? And got my hands dirty with black print. Um, and it's a very different, um, like I, I call it a media company. It is a media company. Like we do multiple things and we're very, we're so democratic, right? Like, you know, we, there is a low bar to join us, which is awesome. We don't, you know, we're not telling you that you have to have an agent or a manager. You do not have to have a BFA or an MFA. Of course, we do have lots of professional union actors that are part of our database, but I love the, like how it, the democratization of access to projects. And I think that for me, that is a huge reason why I love working at Backstage. And so the other end of that, not just for actors, but a part of my job in kind of traditionally 2019 um, was reaching out for partnerships such as, you know, working with um, with Davenport Theatricals um, all the way to new student filmmakers or, you know, new uh, newer artists who were producers, directors emerging into the business because we make our software available to you. You know, there's no there's no bar for that. Like we, we really want everyone to um, feel like we're a resource, not only just for the editorial, which I mean, I'm just saying just editorial, like the editorial is amazing. It's really fantastic. But then also on top of that, that we're like, hopefully a source for you to kind of A through Z your production. How did you make this sort of pivot in your career? And what what really got you thinking that this was some sort of another option for you to, to go down? Yeah. So, I mean, the other shoe dropped for this. So I was excited to feel like I could have a bigger and better reach with the impact that I had. And, and part of my artistic and professional purpose is to connect people and empower actors to feel like they do the best work they can. Right. And so, um, so a brand like Backstage made a lot of sense for me because that's what they do with their editorial, right? Like, you know, we're, we're teaching people, maybe people that don't know anything about a headshot yet. They can, they can Google us and they see, you know, for free, totally free, um, all these articles about kind of positioning yourself in the right way and trying to put your best foot forward. And, and that goes from kind of everything from your headshot to, you know, taking your union card and, you know, what's going on in the business. And of course, casting calls like, so there's, so that all kind of really fit in really lovely for what I wanted to keep pursuing and developing myself. And then um, this year with COVID, uh, the ability to kind of help pivot into more tech, like we went bananas last year, we were going to just um, launch just, we were going to launch two things. Um, we we're going to launch voiceover profiles to help our actors like have a better, fuller uh, profile to be able to really describe and express themselves as voiceover artists and to help bring some, um, you know, be clearer for our creators who were voiceover creators. That's awesome. And then we were doing scheduling, which we didn't have on the site yet. So we had audition scheduling so you could select and manage all your stuff. And then COVID happened. We've launched... We launched those two products. We launched um, pre-screening so you can ask for material as part of the application. So the actor can send in a tape of material that you want for the project. So like you can get pre-screened before. I think this is really awesome. I know commercial, our commercial clients are loving it. Um, we now have virtual auditions. So like you can virtually audition people on the site. So everything is COVID and safe and budget friendly and fast and no one has to get in LA traffic. Um, if that's where you are, or you don't have to get in the subway if you're in New York. Uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting all the things we've launched. But, so we got really innovative and I was helpful in that room uh, for the engineers and product, like of figuring, help, being one of the voices that's inside as an expert of someone that, you know, that's my bread and butter. I know how to schedule. I know what I need to see. I know what the screens need to be. So that's been really fab, like kind of pivoting into working on the tech side a little bit more and then also being able to work on kind of content. So we launched this thing called the slate um, where we did hours and hours of free content. Yes. We, we launched all of these kind of panels, workshops and conversations. Um, and I was able to get in on that side too. And, and kind of, um, figure out what would be valuable uh, 
for for both audiences that I serve, which is the casting community and actors. I love that the role that you have at Backstage, while it's many things, many hats, and I'm sure from I can speak from experience that can be a little overwhelming at times, but I also love that that you were able to take your casting hat and experience working as a casting director and then kind of like shift it a little bit and pivot just your perspective. So now you're looking on the other side of things, the tech side, and you're able to offer your feedback from your experience of like, no, I think that the casting directors will really like this aspect or this feature. No, I really think from being on the, at the table with the actor across from me, I think that this might really work. And I'm sure you've picked up on that as well. But I really like that. I don't know if other people on your team are also casting directors or, you know, if they have that experience and if that, or if that's very like unique to you. Was this uh, position something that existed before you took on the role? <laughs> no, I think I'll be cheeky enough to say, uh, I think I, I came in and I, and I've done the job that I was hired for, but then I also came in and did 10 other jobs that I said, Oh, can I be in the room for that? Like, I would really like to talk to you about that. I'm really sorry, but I'm not, I'm not even sorry. I'm just, I have five things that will really add value today about like this conversation you're having. Um, and hope, and through that, I have kind of elbowed politely elbowed myself into um a different type of role and it certainly morphed and I actually there's no way that I could have known that um COVID would happen and and the devastation that the the casting community is really hurting at the moment and it's, it's a very difficult time I have a lot of friends who've had a very very tough year I feel very blessed to be where I am um but what I but what I did know when I was moving to backstage was that you know, when I started as a casting intern, you used to fax your sides to show facts. And um, you had to print those sides out and mark them up manually. And then you had to put them through the fax machine and they'd get stuck. And like, it would, it would take you all day to just do sides for a project, a musical. Um, and that, by the time I was moving into something different, was completely automated and done within five minutes by you know respectfully an intern right and and I was like okay you know there is a shift happening here and I was certainly really interested in being on that wave versus kind of taken uh, under the wave you know I couldn't have known what was going to happen with the pandemic but I luckily had made the shift of figuring out how to take my skills and do something different and I've seen other artists this year do it in really awesome fantastic ways too like people have found different things that they are are that are still adjacent and in the business and around the business and staying curious about that I think that there's just nothing wrong with being curious but sometimes in the arts we get so stuck in the mud like oh I have to be x right because I've been trying so hard to do it and it's self-defeating to do that. And so being someone that keeps curious and I just read Bob Eager's book, Ride of a Lifetime, and he said, adapt or die, right? Adapt or die. I was lucky enough to already have started that journey a little bit earlier, a few months before that, because I was like, oh, I don't know, let's try a different challenge and a different way to apply my casting skills. And then I've seen other people, you know, also really succeed at it this year during this really strange time. I was going to ask you, and I kind of been getting a little bit of this as you've been talking, but I'm curious as to what you find the most rewarding part of your job at Backstage. Being able to help actors and creators connect with each other and get the best work from each other. That's definitely what I wanted. Like it, you know, something that turned me off from acting, I mentioned it earlier today, was that I wasn't very good at the business of acting, right? Like I was, I, you know, I, I didn't like having a job and then having to go back to square one and do the audition thing, you know, like that wasn't for me. And, um, and I think that with all of these kind of strange, wonderful techie things that have happened and, and the ability to kind of be at people's fingertips now, you know, it's not all just like headshots and, um, cover letters that have to go off in, in the mail, right? Like you can, you can reach more people um, a little more easily. And um, I, I really feel fulfilled by being part of, of making that all very, that connection easier. Is there something about the industry from the casting director's perspective that you would love to be able to make greater influence 
through your work at Backstage in that, like, is there something that really you're targeting in the sense of like, this is like a wish list item for you to change at your time there? I, I think that diversity and inclusion, you know, the door has, thank goodness, blown open. Um, you know, it's hard enough. Uh, something that attracted me about being a casting director was there were so many women casting directors and even at that the statistics are much lower than like you know it's kind of 70 percent men and 30 percent women but still there were women who were leading the room and I find that inspirational and in fact you know one of my early mentors um was Harriet Bass right I worked with her for three and a half years she's a regional theater casting director she did a you know original um casting for all of uh, August Wilson's plays up until his death like you know it, so anyway I so I was working with Harriet and I was like this is I, I love this I love seeing what I thought was better quality at the time I was just an assistant and then an associate and then figured out things as I went along so diversity and inclusion is is a across the board we're not doing a good enough job you know it, it is it is white it is male it is cisgendered. It's it's mostly straight and it's and it is gay, but you know it's it's not. It we're not we are not representing ourselves um, in a way that does the arts justice. Um, and I I'm really excited to try to use my influence at backstage and beyond um, to change that. And of course, I've just mentioned women there, but you know it's 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 queer. It's it's color. It's 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 accessibility in your body. It's, it's so many, it's so many things. I mean, totally. I mean, I've seen from switching from like an in-person event to a virtual event, you're able to reach so many more people just from like a financial standpoint. I mean, people who weren't able to financially afford to come to New York city, to stay in New York city, to spend a weekend here to then attend an event that costs hundreds of dollars. Now it's virtual and it's a little bit less expensive and you can watch it from your own home. So I'm wondering if you've seen on this topic of like equity, inclusion and equity, if you've seen or if you think there'll be a change or if there already is a change now that we're virtual because you're now able to be more accessible, like casting directors have a like a wider net now that it's pulling. I mean, especially with backstage, you're pulling from across the country where maybe you were before, but probably not. You were probably expecting them to come to New York unless they were a big name. Yeah. So, of course, I thank you for picking that up, too, because accessibility financially is so important. Like the amount of people that, you know, you have to have a job, right, to support yourself. And in New York, people, you know, are night oils and they're and they are bartenders. And I mean, even when I was in casting for the first five years, I had a, a weekend job because I, you know, I needed health care, <laughs> you know, um, it, you know, even in casting, that was tough. And I had a gig that I was, you know, going to frequently as a casting director. But um, yeah, so there's the financial thing. There's, you know, accessibility for someone with, who is not ably bodied. There are there are so many aspects of this that are 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 fascinating. Um, so like pr just to talk like kind of technology wise, I think that that's why I'm always on about this pre-screen kind of feature that we've just added. And it's because it's not just you know, for lazy casting directors that want you to send in a tape before you've even kind of, they've even looked at your headshot resume. It's, it's saying if you can get those a hundred tapes in while you get the headshot resume in, you cut out um, kind of uh, an accessibility barrier. So you might get a tape from someone that you wouldn't have taken maybe to that next level or asked for a self tape from, um, but you get the material. You're like, Oh, this is, this is, their headshot resume didn't tell me this about them and you've seen their work and that I find that exciting right and I know a lot of casting directors you know I'm part of CSA and um everyone we, have we all of the answers to everything no do do people want to actively work to figure it out yes and I've, I've seen a lot of feedback of just like with self-tapes and um and kind of having to take projects a little slower at times you you see a lot more material because you're 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 not going you're not commuting to and from you don't have to take a conventional lunch break you're not with the creative team you know you can you can also 
sorry, everybody, we'll listen to as much tape as we need. And we may not, you know, do the entire booklet of, of audition sides, but hopefully we do because you're phenomenal and we want to see more from you. Um, but there's, there's just, you're able to see more talent and yes, they can be from anywhere. And I think that that is a very interesting concept. I'd be curious to see as we are now back into creating things for the most part in certain mediums like I know backstage also handles like film and tv projects as well as voiceover work now that we've been creating these things for quite some time during this pandemic with these tools and resources if we'll see a change in 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 like the work and the performers so if we'll if we won't just see you know the, the cisgendered white you know probably um male or female you know like if we'll see, you know, BIPOC performers more frequently, we'll see people who are LGBTQIA+, if we'll see people who are uh, disabled and able-bodied together, you know, all those things who are true to themselves and not playing something that they're not necessarily. Yeah, and I think casting is certainly an important aspect of that. But what I would say is that it starts in the writer's room and it starts with moving away from unconscious bias or conscious bias or stereotypes um, of what the the creators think their characters are and letting go of that a little bit as they move along their process. Um, I think that that, you know, there and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gone from A to kind of f here on on the production scale there are many things along the way including probably before a aa where you've got to get the funding to be able to even make the project and those people have to believe in it um and so we we have to diversify across the board in that way um and so again what's kind of interesting about where i am is is i get to talk to editorial about where do we start that conversation and how do we go about thinking about that for our creator audience you know and hopefully because we're a huge guide and a huge resource for people if we can start making some content that's meaningful and 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 moves the dial a little bit um in the next few generations we'll see um some real change one of my favorite pieces of editorial actually now that you've just said that and still to like this day in my career will always reference backstage was when I'm looking for up and coming directors, up and coming writers, like people who are, who haven't made the splash yet on like the commercial side of theater, but are people like, you know, the watch on the watch list essentially. And I feel like backstage has always been very um, uh, reliable to be hosting that kind of content and sharing and, and like supporting those artists to, and watching what they're doing and promoting them and supporting them. I think it's amazing. Oh, I love I love that that's how you feel about it. Um, you know, I find that people also tell me that they find their diverse talent on our site. Like, you know, it's it's really great because again, we have to talk marketing and talk a bit, you know, a bit of business. We have the SEO, right? So when people Google actor and put in like two other words, backstage is what comes up for the first like 10 things that you see and that's because of just volume of content and it also it's also quality of content um and it's also that we have a really great marketing team but but it's but it's mostly the two things on top of of the good marketing team um and and i suppose if you're an artist or a small producer or a small something you can apply this logic too we live in a very clickable world and you have to think of your kind of seo and your position in your search engine optimization in case someone at home doesn't know what that is I certainly didn't really know what it was until maybe two years ago um so so there's that you know I have a favorite article too and don't have it in front of me but I did have it on every casting wall um that I worked when I in, in every casting space that I worked at I brought this little tiny article and it was just about empathy and kindness in the casting process and being humble enough to understand the difference between the non-union 99 feet, you know, spring awakening in Long Island versus, you know, the Broadway production and like the vulnerability that it takes as an artist. And I, it, you know, I, I recently wrote, um, reached out to that author because she's not a, a frequent um, expert for us. And so I reached out to her and I was like, I want you to know that I, I talk about this article all the time, like a, like a stalker, right? Like I, I am a weirdo for like these 
these four paragraphs that you put up, but it mattered to me. And it shaped me as a casting assistant, right? When I was making zero, you know, a buck 50 for, you know, 7 million hours, it it mattered to me um, to have a mantra or something to kind of refer to and to have a, a North Star. And it was a backstage article. I noticed, and we know this from chatting with Madison in year one of our podcast, that casting people in casting are often freelancers or they often describe themselves as that and so i know that in your bio that you say that you credit your start to your career as a freelancer with casting agencies is that how most or all casting agents start is that truly like the the journey for that path truly and again i think that this is an interesting question about making sure there's better equity in this i was incredibly fortunate i started getting serious about casting um, and age myself in my mid-20s. And so I was absolutely a dog with a bone, right? I was so ready to take on the challenge that, um, I, and also lucky that my first my first internship, I started freelancing with the company that I was working with. And um, and it wasn't enough to get by and it really was freelancing. So some weeks I'd work, you know, some months I'd work all month and then I would be off for, you know, it was for months or maybe weeks uh, at a time. Uh, months is a bit of an exaggeration, but you were, it wasn't constant. And, you know, when you've interned somewhere and then you start assisting, the money's not great. Um, and so it just takes a while to build up your career. And what you find is that people freelance because um, either if it's, so I was in commercial. So sometimes it's just because they can't support another casting director or casting assistant in the office yet. Um, and you're kind of waiting for someone to move on <laughs> before you would be able to get like a, a, a more full-time position with the office. Um, when it comes to TV and film, it's more like you work on a project. And when that project wraps, if it doesn't get picked up or whatever, you're kind of done until they have a new project for you. But hopefully the office loves you and you become their go-to. And then you are the person that will be the person. It becomes perma-freelance, you know, permalance or however you say that. And then in theater, you know, it's, um, it's more constant, right? Like you find that people kind of sit, uh, they kind of park at an office uh, and it might be in a freelance way, but, you know, they, they kind of become the associate or, you know, associated with an office for doing work with a particular office. That's how I find it um, to be true in my own career and in other, um, in other casting directors that I'm friends with. Fascinating. Freelancing is a, a, a shaky road to be on no matter what you're doing. <laughs> casting in New York and LA, there are plenty of opportunities, but, or there were plenty of opportunities till you know, unfortunately, kind of this year has been so much tougher. Um, but it is incredibly competitive because a lot of people come from other careers into it, right? You know, they were actors before or, you know, they were something else in the business and, and they want to to explore this different aspect of themselves. Um, and so there are a lot of talented young folks out there who are casting assistants and, and want to get a full-time position. Um, you know, I really feel for interns and assistants that have worked with me that I've been able to hire on a freelance uh, capacity or, you know, I, I have trained as an intern at other offices that I've been at because, you know, I can't guarantee that they'll get a job at the end of it. And I knew I know how hard that is when you really, really want you really want it to, to stick. You want to move into our lightning round, Mary? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So our Ooh, first question, <laughs> what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ripley Greer's elevators. Yeah. <laughs> the decorations in Ripley Greer. <laughs> Ripley Greer. Period. <laughs> oh my God. Um, what are three adjectives that describe your ideal working environment? Focused, purposeful, creatively. <laughs> I'm like, what are adjectives? That's the word. <laughs> oh dear. Is there something about your process, uh, either as a casting director or a creative uh, specialist, casting specialist, that you find unique to you? I don't know any other Northern Irish queer women that live and work in New York. <laughs> 
So you mentioned the article that you that you had pinned on your office walls, but do you have any books that you find helpful to you? So I am I'm always reading uh, business books and things like that. So I just mentioned uh, Bob Eager, uh, Ride of Lifetime. I I I consume like all that stuff, like uh, businessy stuff that is adjacent to the business. Um, I love I love a podcast or Rachel Hollis, um, Robin Sharma. Tony Robbins like like I think that we have to think beyond just creative folks and get really like we are businesses because if you want to make money at this you have to think about it like a business and and that's how I try to go about it so like books that are not theater related yes sorry not not like the business did I break the rule there no 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 I I love that I I don't you know of course I love a lot of theater books you know Uta Hagen, Larry Moss, I could name a, a, a bunch of things about acting in particular. Um, but no, it's it's all business. It's it's not the theater business. Yeah, totally. The question was up to whatever you find useful. Um, what is one job in the theater industry that you would trade jobs with for only one week? I, I would take a lead role. Why not? I'll take a lead role. I'll get on stage just just for one week. Yeah. And then I want to go to bed on time. Voice your uh, <laughs> rest I don't want to work it. Yeah, I want to rest my voice. Yeah, perfect. That's hysterical. Um, what is uh, one hobby you have outside of the theater? Um, so when I met my wife uh, to woo her, I started watching sport, and I actually found it really refreshing because I was not very into sport. Uh, and I, when I mean the NFL in particular, the, the New York Giants, which they're a terrible team right now, so don't be talking to me about it. But um, I spent so much, I've spent, you know, 60 plus hours a week, uh, m- m- more, because that's the hours I spent working. And then, you know, outside of seeing art and, and being like so Im- immersed in that, that it was really refreshing to get geeky about something else and like to learn that. And so, um, is and the NFL imperfect in so many ways? Yes, but do I really enjoy watching it now? Yes. If you could cast a Broadway revival, which play or musical would it be? Oh, well, I did. I I, I cast Chicago, and that was pretty much something that was on my bucket list. Um, something that you know is not running. Is right not now. running. Is not has not no plans. I'd love to see Fosse. Like I'd just love to see something just that show in particular or or some of his works that are not maybe damn yankees maybe oh, I, I, want, I want to say damn yankees i changed my answer love it. <laughs> okay, it ties back into sports oh yeah they, oh you see the yankees are my wife's second team so that's good Hmm, there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll stay together, guys, when she listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so then our final question is, what is the first show you want to see when Broadway reopens? The Darkest Thought first was What Will Be Left. Um, is To Kill a Mockingbird coming back, or is that not coming back? It hasn't announced anything. Yeah, I didn't get to see that, and I I, I wanted to see it, so I, I would that would be... Um, on the list because I find it interesting what they were exploring there, but I just hadn't got to. It was so hard to get tickets. I want to see Hugh Jackman's Music Man. I don't, you know, let's, let's, you know, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Sun Foster, yeah, got yeah. them all. It's yeah. a great cast. Well, is there any way that we could find you on social media? How could our listeners find you if they want to follow you? Yeah, so I I am an old fuddy-duddy. And if I don't really know you very well, I don't invite you into my social Instagram circle. So not on Instagram. Sorry, guys. Um, If you want to, re- LinkedIn is a really great space for me. If you let me know why I know you and, and it is sufficient enough to say I listen to the podcast and I really appreciate it something you said that's nice that's a nice way to network with me um and apart from that i i do panels and workshops at backstage often um you know it's free advice for actors so you know keep looking on the slate and keep on looking on our youtube for material like that especially if you're a beginner actor that's really where we're starting with our series called the actors toolkit um so that's a free resource for people to come see some you know come see some work i don't know and, and <laughs> your website my, has see my show yeah um, and your website has some great content too for those little things that you were talking about earlier that you love to like talk about uh that backstage has where you talk about what you like to see in a resume headshot all that kind of stuff 
Yes, very true. And then um, in the envelope, if you're, you know, you're listening to this with your ears. So you're a podcast listener. We've got in the envelope. I do a little segment at the end. Jack Smart interviews an awesome celebrity every week where they talk through their process as an actor and the, and a project that they're working on at the minute or just finished. And then I kind of come on with a few little tips and tricks and things like that. So it, um, it is a great podcast. I, I've listened isn't to Isn't Jack a just lovely? He's yeah, so great. He's interviewer. so great. And, and I think that we are very fortunate, you know, the people that come on are so giving. They just really, uh, open up in this really beautiful way. Uh, what so. I actually just what I love hearing is is the people that come on and talk about that experience that like Mary has about how they've viewed backstage um, through their career and like starting out how they helped how it backstage helped them with their start. So I find that really interesting to hear. Yeah, look, it's really trippy when like Sarah Paulson has a similar story about reading backstage on the subway. Like immediately I feel so like kind of connected. I don't I don't know exactly how to say it, but but it's a really lovely it's a really lovely brand in that way because um again, everyone can pick it up and read the articles and maybe figure out just something a little bit more about the business that way. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. This was this was really a lovely time. It just totally flew. I know. Oh. It's been an hour already. You guys are great. You stumped me on the adjectives. I might Good. be coming. I might be coming back after I've done a grammar lesson. My goodness, my terrible sense. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.